Hey, hey, whether your hormone issues are something new to you and you are just learning about what perimenopause is, or maybe you've been struggling for a while and just realizing that this is because of your hormones, the reason you can't lose weight, the reason you feel like you're aging so quickly, the reason your digestion is off, or maybe you've known for a while and you've just finally hit a point that you're fed up. Whatever the reason, you're here because you know you want to change. And one of the most challenging parts that I even remember going through, and I still go through, is where do I start first? And when I was first learning about how to heal my hormones and bring back calm to them so that my body can do what it will do well all on its own, like repair and heal and digest and metabolize and release weight, then we need a place to start, right? What are the things we start on? This is why I created my Hormone Hacks event. It is, don't, don't let it mislead you. It's a really simple video training in two parts. One that helps you better understand what's really going on inside of your body. And then another one along with a really quick, simple PDF that's going to walk you through the top 10 hacks that's going to help you get results and relief in your body this week within a week. That is what I know from my own journey. And whenever life throws me for a loop or things get stressful or overwhelming, as we know they always will, these are the hacks that I go back to that bring me back to peace, that bring my body back to relaxation, get me sleeping through the night again, and get my body digesting properly and releasing weight without me ever doing more, without me adding more to my plate. In fact, when I lean on these hacks, I typically start doing less. And that's the real mind mess, isn't it? So I know this isn't a, something I'm able to customize to you. That's why I have my one-on-one -on -one coaching. But for all women, this is the place to start that will get you relief. Make sure you swipe up and grab my Hormone Hacks and listen to that Hormone Hacks event and get yourself back on track. Once you're on track, you'll be able to take it deeper, to understand what's throwing you off, to at least buy yourself a little bit more time until you can give yourself more time and focus. All right. Let's dive What's up, sisters? Welcome to the Period Whisperer podcast. I'm Bria. I'm your host. If you're new, I'm so happy you are here. I'm your perimenopause and menopause sister, your holistic trainer, hormone specialist, translator of your female body. I'm a recovering people pleaser and hustle addict turned body whisperer and hormone decoder. And I am here to help you de-stress your body decode what it is saying, become the CEO of it, and own your own health, energy, and weight loss again. This show is for you, the overwhelmed, overworked, underappreciated step woman who dreams of a body they feel strong, energetic, and sane in. The woman who knows that she shouldn't just wave the white aging flag and believes in a body and life of peace, love, and purpose. But you don't just know how to get there yet. So if you are stuck in your body, your energy, your life, you are in the right spot. Let's lean in and learn what our bodies are saying to us. Hey, sisters, it is Bria here, your host of the Period Whisperer podcast, and I have a really special treat for you today. I have the amazing Jennifer Harrington on with us, who is a naturopath that specializes in naturally supporting 
women's transition into menopause, right where we're all at. <laughs> She's the clinical director of Menopause Natural Solutions and author of Invis- From Invisible to Invincible, The Natural Menopause Revolution. And today, I'm so grateful to have you here, Jennifer. She's going to talk to us about nutritional deficiencies during perimenopause, um, which I know so many of you guys have all these questions on this. It's, it's a really hot topic. And uh, I'm really grateful to have you, Jennifer. So thank you so much for being here. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for the invitation. It's awesome. It's so nice. More and more, I've been in the wellness industry for about a decade and a half. And uh, more and more, I meet women who didn't even know what the menopause transition was or or what perimenopause. They'd never even heard these words. And I was even one of those people. So it's really amazing to connect with women from all over the world. I know you're, you're coming at us here from Sydney, Australia this morning. But it's nice to start to normalize this and spread this message. I think also the reason why many of us don't know what we're going through is potentially because our pair, our mum, our mums were all on HRT back then. I kind of go back and I ask my mum and I ask my auntie, you know, what was the transition like for mm-hmm. you? And they go, I, we didn't know because we were on birth control and then switched at some point to HRT and we don't know. <laughs> so it, it makes sense then as, as little girls growing up, we didn't see mm. our our mums or our, our aunties mm-hmm. going through anything. Crazy. I didn't even think about that as well. I know my mom had a hysterectomy, so it was less of a shift or less of a noticeable thing for her. So, you, you know, you're right. You hear it, that is a challenging aspect that I haven't even thought about is we don't know. Our parents don't know. And so we weren't exposed to it. Yes. But this generation, we, um, we certainly are struggling and there's, quite a, th- a few reasons why we're mm. having a harder time. I would love, well, I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about, you know, that, um, why that is. I, I certainly talk about it plenty on the podcast, but I'd love to hear from you. Why do you think it is such a hard thing for, well, you know, let's just define it. Let's define first okay. what perimenopause is or, um, yeah, premenopause, the menopause transition, whatever you want to call it. Let's define it first. Okay, so perimenopause is the period of time before menopause. Mm -hmm. And that can be a decade, it can be a few years, it can be longer than a decade. It just Mm -hmm. depends on the individual woman. Mm -hmm. And it's generally when there is a shift or a change in menstruation, but it doesn't need to be noticeable changes because you can still have a period and not have ovulated. But mm. maybe the period is slightly different. Maybe it's um, a longer bleed. Maybe it's a shorter period of time between bleeds. Mm. Uh, maybe it's a different quality. Maybe the blood is thicker or thinner or clottier. Um, mm. Sometimes there's such subtle little changes that you don't actually recognise you're in the transition. And for mm-hmm. other women, it's a slap in the face. That <laughs> all of a sudden they're not sleeping, they're hot flushing, they're tolerance to stress is out the window. So we all do it differently. But perimenopause is that period of time beforehand. There is no blood test for it. It's really just signs and symptoms of a shift in hormones. Menopause is, so menopause is defined as 12 months without a period. So that's right. that's an easier one to define. It's like, when did you mm-hmm. last bleed, right? 12 months later, if you haven't bled in that time period, today you're in menopause because it is just that 
that moment in time. And then after that, you're in postmenopause for the rest of your life. Mm. And before we move on, I really wanted to add in, this is a normal, natural transition. Mm -hmm. We go through puberty. That's a normal, natural transition. And menopause is just the reverse of that at the other end of the spectrum. But I was going to say, I've heard it defined as a reverse puberty, and I loved that. It really helped make, as I have a teenage daughter right now going through puberty, and it really helped me understand it more. Yeah. That's what's happening. Well, so tell so us a bit pe- about, oh, sorry. Tell us a bit about how you got into this, how you got into, you know, specifically focusing on this area. Okay. So I actually started off my working life working in television. But I was really struggling with polycystic ovarian syndrome, and it was causing a stabbing pain that would drop me to the floor. And sometimes this pain could last for two weeks. And it's like, I can't live like this. So Mm -hmm. off to see my my local primary care practitioner who put me on the oral contraceptive pill. And I must say, did take away my pain, did regulate my periods, but it changed my mood, it changed my personality. Um, so went back and tried, yes, we tried a different one and the same thing happened. And I went, maybe I'm going up the wrong path, looking for different versions of, of the drug. Maybe I actually need to look for something else. Mm. And so I went and saw a naturopath and can I tell you my pain was gone, but I was me. But if anything, I was more me because I had more energy and more vitality and Mm. I just loved who I was, that it inspired me so much that I left TV, went back and retrained, and I've been a naturopath ever since, Mm -hmm. and I just love it. But I primarily started working with women who were also having reproductive conditions like myself. Mm. And then that naturally led into fertility as all of these women tried to get pregnant. And then um, from then, as I started aging, as my patients started aging, we all started going through perimenopause together. So it was just a natural transition, moving up the line into the menopausal transition. Wow. What did you notice, um, like when you talked about being on birth control, how did that change your mood and your personality that you noticed? Uh, I was... I guess, rage, full of rage and full of anger and um, I didn't like who I was. Yeah, just tired and grumpy and angry, I would yeah. say. <laughs> not not a nice person to be around and, no. uh, yeah. And as you work now, that's I'm so glad that you were able to figure that out at that time. So um, I was chalk and cheese. It was, I wasn't like that before. I'm like this all of a sudden. Mm, no, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes, I, I mean, that is what the feeling we can get sometimes with the shift in, with the shift in hormones, whether you're taking hormones or whether it's just your natural shift, you can really get that sense of not feeling like you, right? Yes, definitely. It's one of the hardest parts, I think, for women, especially, you know, going through premenopause is sort of starting to look in the mirror and not only not recognizing themselves physically, but really just not feeling like themselves emotionally. And it's, it's, uh, the tough part. So when you think about our premenopause and perimenopause and, and how you work with women, what, you know, what are they experiencing? What are the life limitations that are happening that don't need to be happening? Oh, well, every woman is different. 
Mm-hmm. And there is so many different symptoms and there's not a right or a wrong way or no, that can't be perimenopause or yes, that's got to be perimenopause. But the general gist is fatigue. Mm. Everybody is absolutely exhausted, tired. Um, we see a lot of brain fog, mm-hmm. um, a lot of heat, so hot flushes, night mm-hmm. sweats, insomnia issues, Um but even crazy things like itchy ear, itchy skin, burning tongue. Mm. Um, Gosh, yeah. Yeah. So many even, even like grinding teeth more, I've noticed in some yes. clients. You know, yeah, and you don't even realize until your dentist is like, you're a tooth grinder. <laughs> like, what? I've never been a tooth grinder. <laughs> yeah. That's or that TMJ pain, that pain that you wake up with in the morning. Yeah, it's amazing that we don't even recognize like how many things can be tied to the shift. Well, when you think about it, everything in your body is changing from Mm -hmm. an absolute cellular level. It's Mm -hmm. a transformation. And you can think of it as like a metamorphosis where you're a butterfly stuck in your cocoon trying to get out. Sometimes we need to... We don't need to struggle, but sometimes we find that at the end of the road, once we break through the cocoon, once we get out, we evolve. We're Mm -hmm. now version 2.0. And I generally find that that change in a woman, she tends to not stress as much. Mm -hmm. She doesn't care so much what other people are thinking. She's willing to give things a try that maybe before she was a little bit afraid of. And generally I find that women can be a little bit, well, cheeky, <laughs> very <laughs> joyful and very cheeky. And it's like the, the weight of the world has lifted off their shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. Like really stepping into who they are. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. But some women need help in that interim just during the transition phase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that. You know, here on the podcast, I, I have the opportunity to talk a lot about lifestyle um, and I'm sure you could talk to that as well, but I'd love to dig into this, you know, this area around nutritional deficiencies um, yeah. for when, what do we expect? You know, what do we notice and what do we do about it? Well, first of all, it's probably more common than you realize. Mm. Um, in a book called The Mineral Fix, Dr. Mm. James um, looked at the research and found that one in three, and this is American research, one in three mm. Americans have at least 10 mineral deficiencies. Oh my So goodness. it's not singular nutrition uh, deficiencies, but it's everything across the board. And when we think about what could be causing that, we need to look at other things that aren't the menopausal transition. Mm. We need to look at agriculture, the way that we're actually growing our foods Mm -hmm. because we get our nutrients from the soil or from Mm -hmm. the water that is taken up into the plants that we consume. And if the minerals aren't in the soil in the first place, we're not going to be consuming them. Mm -hmm. We can also look at environmental toxicity. Unfortunately, we live in quite a toxic world these days and minerals and toxins compete for absorption. So we can look at things like mercury will compete with zinc and selenium for absorption. Mm. Iron will compete with calcium for absorption. Mm. So if we've got a receptor, it can only bind to one thing. Like we can't have multiple things yeah. on there at the same time. So it mm-hmm. sort of reduces your ability to uptake those minerals. Mm. Um, 
there's also all these things with diets. So we can look at one end of the spectrum being ultra-processed diets, Mm -hmm. which don't have nutrients in them in the first place. Yes, they're convenient, but if you're living off them, you're you're really depleting your body or you're really limiting your body's ability to get nutrients in the first place. Mm -hmm. And the other end of the spectrum is we have women that are on ultra, sorry, I already said ultra-processed diet, but on women who are on really restrictive diets for Mm -hmm. far too long. Um, So look at things like the FODMAPS diet. It's Mm -hmm. really limited and restrictive. And for women who need it, it's designed to give their digestive system a break for the short term. Right. Generally look at six to eight weeks, but I've met women who've been on it for years. Mm. And I'm like, you've really limited the nutrition that you've had over this time. And really Mm -hmm. we need to do some solid work on your digestive system so that you can tolerate a wider variety of foods. And in the, in the, Meantime, maybe we need to look at supplementing so that mm-hmm. you're topping up on these nutrients. Yeah. 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 And getting back into that with the health of the digestive system, if you've got an inflamed gut, you're not going to be absorbing your nutrients. Right. If you're on certain medications like um, antacids, Mm-hmm. these are going to reduce your ability to break down yeah. food and extract nutrients, especially things like B12. Really, mm-hmm. um, you can't absorb if you're on an antacid. Oh, interesting. Yeah, with, there's with, so many reasons why oh, we're yeah. really depleted. Yeah. How do you find, um, what in your experience, what do you, how do you notice exercise to impact nutritional deficiencies? Uh, it depends on what kind of exercise mm-hmm. they're doing because right. if it's a, a gentle stroll versus um, CrossFit, then mm-hmm. that's that's a huge yes. change. Yes. And I, I generally find at this time of life women need to be gentler on themselves. Mm-hmm. If you haven't been doing, um, let's call it an extreme sport, mm-hmm. now is not the time to start. Because mm-hmm. now we've got issues with collagen reducing. You're more prone to to accidents and injuries. We've got muscles, mm-hmm. to potential muscle loss and potential bone loss. Mm-hmm. But I do love to see a weight-bearing component because when you start looking at resistance exercise, that can help to lock calcium into your bones. Mm, interesting. Yes, we hear that a lot, don't we? The value of weights and resistance. Um I like I like talking about that and normalizing that a little bit more about the idea of more intense fitness and how it can it might not be the best time to be doing that. I think also because of that general fatigue that we're feeling, if you are pushing yourself in another area, you are going to notice that suck more of your energy and leave you without later on in the day. Well, we do definitely use nutrients exercising. Mm-hmm. Like you use magnesium, calcium for muscle mm-hmm. contraction, magnesium for muscle relaxation. Mm-hmm. Um, you need coenzyme Q10 to also help with muscular health. You need all your oils mm-hmm. for lubrication of your joints, mm-hmm. uh, proteins. You need your amino acids to help yeah. with, with muscle strength. And iron's a big one a lot of women don't necessarily put the connection with. Mm-hmm. If you're going through perimenopause and you're rather having longer periods or spotting in between periods heavier periods Mm -hmm. you're losing more blood you could be anemic and exercising actually uses more iron Mm. 
So you really are at greater need of iron mm-hmm. in perimenopause if you tick those boxes. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I didn't, it took me a while to learn that piece, but I have noticed even when I want to go donate blood, um, I've learned not to have an, a very intense exercise um, within a few days of going to donate. Otherwise, there's a significant difference in my hemoglobin, which is where your iron is. Yeah. But then at the other end of the spectrum, when you're in postmenopause, you're more likely to have iron overload because you're not bleeding every month. And Mm -hmm. that is where um, exercise can really help because (sighs) I found that women that are regular exercises are still using their iron. Therefore, it's not accumulating. Oh, have a benefit for you. You know what? That's amazing to hear because we focus here a lot on the on the the menopause transition phase, but we're all heading into the actual menopause years. And I, you know, where this is a time to taper on some of that fitness, it's really nice to know that we can actually dig a little deeper in our future. Definitely, mm-hmm. that's exciting. How do you find nutritional deficiencies impact our sleep during perimenopause? This is a really common struggle for um, a lot of women and a lot of I know a lot of women who listen to this show that is just constant. Yes. So magnesium is going to be one of the key nutritional deficiencies that I see. And mm-hmm. I also think of magnesium as the master menopause mineral. Mm. Signs of magnesium deficiency can be excessive sweating. So if you're having a lot of hot flushes or night sweating, ah. night sweats, that could be a Part of magnesium deficiency, if you're having any sort of cramps or twitches. So some women get crazy eye twitches and it drives them nuts. That's a magnesium deficiency. Or maybe it's it's muscle cramps or or tremors or just your muscles aren't working properly. Mm -hmm. Um, Can be insomnia, which is what led me to here in the first place. Mm. Can be restless legs, can be headaches lower um, tolerance to stress. This is all from magnesium deficiency, you're saying. So that's why I call it the master menopause mineral Mm -hmm. because Mm. the signs and symptoms match those of the menopausal transition. That's amazing. That's amazing. And I know, and maybe you can clarify this for us, you know, you can go, you can go into a, a health food store and look for magnesium, and there's several different kinds of magnesium. How do we know which one to be choosing for us in these years? Okay. So first of all, all supplements come with cautions, interactions, and contraindications. Mm -hmm. So if you are on pharmaceutical medication, Mm -hmm. just get your pharmacist or your doctor to check before you start taking anything new. Good. That being said, magnesium is one of the safest ones. The most likely problem you're going to run into is diarrhea if you have the wrong form or if you have too much. Okay. There are many ways to sup. There's many ways to add to your magnesium level. Mm -hmm. You can look at adding in some extra dark green leafy vegetables. It's probably Mm -hmm. one of my preferred food sources. You can look at really enjoyable ways like an Epsom salt bath. Mm Mm-hmm. That that is good on so many levels. It's taking yeah. me time when we're so busy looking after everyone else just to shut yeah. the door and say, right, half an hour I'm off duty. I'm just going to have my Epsom salt bath. Yeah, unwind. Yeah, you can get creams. Like I've recently changed my moisturizer to be a magnesium cream just to really rub the magnesium into my muscles, get into out. my legs. 
Well, it's great because it absorbs directly into your muscles where you need it versus being oral and being systemic. I didn't even know you could get a magnesium cream. Ah, you can get oils, you can get creams. Um, It all depends on why you're taking it because if you're rubbing it into your legs to help with your migraines, might not work. (laughs) It's going to make it. You're probably better to have an oral one in in those cases, but your skin is highly absorbent. Mm -hmm. With that in mind, you've also got to think about if you are putting a cream on, what else is in the cream? Mm -hmm. Because your skin's going to absorb the good and the bad. Mm -hmm. And remember we were Earlier on, we spoke about how toxins compete for absorption. So you want to make sure that it's a clean product so you have Mm. a better opportunity of utilising the magnesium and not taking on board any of the preservatives or anything else that might be in the cream. And do you have a simple guideline that you follow for yourself or that you share with your clients around, you know, what makes something clean? I tend to use uh, the Environmental Working Group. I don't know if you've had a look. They've got a Skin Deep app where you can put in a product and it'll grade it and let you know. Um, That's probably a good good link to share. Okay, Um, good. Also because I'm in Australia, you're in the US. Different. I have a lot of Canadian listeners. Yeah, European listeners. Yeah, so it's going to be different. But we can use the Skin Deep app anywhere then. It's, it is a US um, app, therefore mm-hmm. it's going to have a lot more of the North American products on there. Okay. But I, I still find things in it on Australia. It's just sometimes I find things are on there. Sometimes I find mm-hmm. things aren't on there. Um, and then um, I, I look at other resources. I've also got a book called The Chemi- Chemical Maze, and they've mm-hmm. also got an app, and it's a little – book that you put in your handbag so when you go shopping if you pick up a food and you're like what is that ingredient yeah you can then look it up and it rather gives you a smiley face or an orange face or a red face no Um, and and what's that app called sorry i'm pretty sure it's the chemical maze the chemical maze oh i'm very excited i'll look it up afterwards and give you the link to put in the show notes incredible i'm so excited i know a lot of people will love that because it's you know, it makes life easier. You don't realize until you start to look at ingredients, how many ingredients you don't understand. (laughs) And it is, you know, I always encourage people, it's important to like, just have a little Google at least. So this makes it a bit more streamlined for people to understand what it is that's actually going in the body. And um, when you talk about, you know, the toxic load, are there, do you find in general, there's a specific, you know, most intense products that you recommend, you know, in, when it comes to organic foods, they often have a list of like the dirty dozen of the, you know, the highest ones. And well, that's the to... environmental working group oh, that puts wonderful. out that list. They put that out. Okay. Then I do know them. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so for the listeners, if they haven't heard of it, they do a clean 15 and a dirty dozen. Mm-hmm, and okay. if you just avoid the dirty dozen, you've reduced your pesticide load by 80%. Mm-hmm. And I know not everyone can afford to eat 100% organic all the time. Right. So this is this is something I do recommend if if it's easier. And the other way to look at it is the clean 15. These mm. are foods that are less likely to have a high pesticide burden and they're safe to eat in um, a conventional form. Oh, I love that. That's amazing. And so this is all foods, but do they have, do you, could 
is there one that we can point to for people or that you know of that is more for, you know, skincare products specifically, or I guess, um, or long cleaning products? Because we don't realize the impact of that as well on us. Yeah, I think you better to go back to the Environmental yeah. Working Group because the brands yeah. running through my head might not be available. In, of course, um, of course. Okay, that's awesome. We, we will definitely check that out. Amazing. Um, another thing I, I often hear from my clients is, you know, a sort of a frequent urination at night. Is that something we can tie to perimenopause? You could do. Um, if this is something that's new, I would mm-hmm. actually check your bedroom for mold. Because there is a link with mold causing overactivity of the bladder. Yeah. So if it's you're not really urinating excessively during the day, if it's just mm-hmm. at night, I would be looking at what's happening. It could be that maybe you're drinking the bulk. You've been so busy all day that you've got home in the evening and drank the bulk of your fluids then. That mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, or if it is really overnight that you're seeing the increase in frequency, just, just check out your bedroom for mold. Yeah, um, if it is there, I would look at that. Wow. But definitely the hormonal change can also cause more urination, but you would expect that across the board. Yeah, of course. Of course, I understand that. Excellent. So, um, you know, again, when it comes to these deficiencies for women, are there, you know, you talked about magnesium being that master one. Are there others that you find pretty common for women that we, you know, that we are most often struggling with? And on that same note, do you, you know, obviously without coming to a naturopath and without having the opportunity to work with you specifically, are there general ones that, you know, that you find overall helpful across the board? Definitely. So the next one may surprise you, Bria, and that is sodium. Sodium. Yes, for so long we've been worried. Oh, mm-hmm. We used to believe low fat was good. Mm-hmm. And now we know that there are good fats and there's bad fats. And it's mm-hmm. not about avoiding fats. It's about making sure you're having plenty of the good and not so much of the bad. Mm-hmm. It's the same with salt. We have demonized salt for so long, mm-hmm. been on low salt diets. And now we're finding there's good salts and there's bad salts. And it depends mm-hmm. on, on the situation. So something that I quite often recommend is that you do a seven-day electrolyte challenge and just see if it makes any difference for you. So this is taking a dose of electrolytes daily for seven days to see how you feel at the end. Hmm. I'm yet to meet a woman who hasn't noticed a beneficial change. If you do it and you don't, please contact me. I want to know. There will be (sighs) someone out there someday, but I just haven't met them yet. And they're probably already having enough salts in their diet. But what I'd expect to see over these seven days is more energy. Isn't Mm. that one of the key symptoms that we're experiencing at this stage of life? Absolutely. Energy, better clarity of thought. Um, Also, if you're getting those deep muscle cramps, um, it can help to resolve some of those as well. Um, But most people go, I can't nail, I can't put my finger on it, but I have an increased vitality. Like I just feel better. And that is generally bit of extra energy amazing so how the electrolyte challenge and is there a challenge out there that that you run or that you recommend or is the idea oh, that no, just, just just something that I recommend that you try for yourself okay. so when you're looking for an electrolyte I want a clean product okay um actually the brand that I use is a U.S. brand it's okay. um I personally use body bio and it's a product called e-light e-light 
L-Y-T-E. And it is, it's clean. There is no sugars, no preservatives, no colours, no flavours. It is a concentrate. You just put a cap of it into your glass of water and drink it. Now, the first time you do this, you might go, whoa, (laughs) that is really salty. And if that's the case and if you don't like it, reduce the dose. You can even do half a cap twice a day and that'll still get you the full dose over the day. Or you can get a bigger water bottle and put it in so that it's it's more Not diluted. as noticeable. Yeah. So the only, sorry, the, the caution that I would say is if your doctor has suggested that you go on a low-sodium diet, just go back and have a chat to them before trying. Just say, am I okay to take an electrolyte for seven days? Mm-hmm. Um, you've mentioned to be on a low-salt diet. I just want to check that mm-hmm. it's okay um, and find out from them. And another book, if you have been told to be in a low-salt diet, same author, Dr. James, it's called The Salt Fix. And he talks about the demonization of salt. Mm. He's a cardiovascular researcher. So if anything, you think that the research he would find would be saying low-salt for cardiovascular health, and he's found it to be the reverse. Oh, my goodness. That's crazy. Well, it's worth reading and having yeah. it as a conversation starter with your healthcare team, yeah. if that's what you've been told to do. Because I don't know your history. Maybe you definitely mm-hmm. are better on a low-salt diet. Yes, but that's Maybe why it's important not. to talk to your yeah your primary care physician or, or whoever yeah. it is that your healthcare provider. Um, is there a time of day that you recommend taking the electrolytes? If you get the pass and you pick up these electrolytes and they're clean... Yeah. See, I just take mine in the morning, but it depends on you and your routine. Mm-hmm. If you do anything that is hot, like if you do Bikram yoga, mm-hmm. if you do infrared saunas, if you know mm-hmm. you're going on a massive big hike or mountain bike or anything strenuous, I would take the electrolytes before you did that. Okay. If you're a sweater, if you know you're having hot flushes, night sweats, mm-hmm. What you may not realize is every time you have the experience of sweating, you're losing salts. Mm. So in that case, I would be taking half a dose after each sweat just to top your levels back up. Because you don't always know when they're coming. You can't say, right, I'm going to have one in half an hour or I'll just have my dose (laughs) now. (laughs) Um, Well, if you know you have a lot overnight, maybe you have a dose before you go to bed. But I'd just be worried about the amount of fluids that you're drinking course interrupting Just the sleep you, again yes, yes. yeah because we see that that's think, you know that sleep piece is such a it's such an, a powerful part of our well-being you know oh, at definitely. any age but after especially if you've been a mother you know you probably spent years having a lot of sleepless nights and now we reach this you know beautiful age where many of us have children that are sleeping through the night and here we are starting to struggle and it's it can be it can be really disheartening on women, I think, during this phase of our life. Yeah. I just wanted to put in another note about electrolytes. Yeah. And that is if you're a menstruating woman, if you're, again, having those heavier bleeds, longer bleeds, in your blood is more than just iron. Mm -hmm. Your blood's also um, fluids, so water, electrolytes, different vitamins and minerals. So I find that if you are having heavier bleeds, you're losing your salts. Again, this is another reason to try and top. I just get concerned women go, I'm taking my iron. It's like, 
what about everything else? Yeah, what about you all know? the other things? Yeah. B- B12s also involve vitamin Cs, involve vitamin A's, involve what about everything else? So yeah, um, electrolytes is another key reason to um, – mm. sorry, For heavy bleeding key. is another reason yeah, another to take electrolytes. That's amazing. Thank you so much. And are, are would there be any other, you know – any other one that you would recommend that that people don't know about or or people don't typically understand, like the way the so, that sodium and magnesium are? Yeah, um, there, there's many of them, but let's chat about zinc because so many people think about zinc and they think about the immunity, and mm. it definitely is a wonderful mineral for immunity. But that's not the end of the story. Mm. Zinc's also needed for all of our special senses, so our sight, mm. our hearing, our smell, our taste. Mm-hmm. Um, many women don't know about the hormonal connection. Mm. So zinc also helps with hormonal regulation. So it's good for either either end of the spectrum. So if you're perimenopause or postmenopause, zinc yeah. can help to to regulate your your hormones. Mm-hmm. It's also good for skin and mucous membranes. Mm-hmm. When you think about your mucous membrane, it is just a drier, sorry, it's a wetter version of your skin. Mm-hmm. Now, when I think about skin, I think about it as a brick wall where mm-hmm. you've got your brick and your mortar to keep your insides in and your outsides out. Mm-hmm. And I see zinc as being that brick and I see your essential fatty acids as being that mortar. So, so many women come in at this stage of life going, oh, my God, I look like a teenager again. I've got hormonal acne or maybe they've got rosacea or they've got Mm -hmm. dryness. Mm -hmm. Zinc is that key, whether it's skin or mucous membrane, it's that key building block for healthy, uh, yeah, these healthy membranes. But the other thing to think about it is when we're thinking about mucous membranes, we've got the vagina and you've also got the uterus. Mm -hmm. So there has been research looking at um, having adequate zinc, reducing your risk of growths like fibroids, like polyps. Mm. That's that's something that a lot of women actually struggle with during the transition. Mm -hmm. So zinc can also help with that. Uh, Actually, selenium. There's also been research on selenium helping to reduce fibroids and polyps. Uh, There was a really fun research looking at zinc in postmenopausal women increasing their lubrication and their sexual satisfaction. I was going to ask you about that. That's that's that old link. I think with oysters, how they uh, they used to say that oysters is an aphrodisiac, and oysters right. is one of the key zinc food sources. Oh, interesting! So it's so nice to see research that sort of goes, well, actually, <laughs> yes, that's amazing. Sometimes we don't even realize how, you know, we already know these things. We just it hasn't been laid out this way for us. But it make, that makes so much sense about oysters and the zinc. It's incredible. Yes, oh, I love that. But just keep in mind. What the research is also showing is that you're having multiple mineral deficiencies. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So if you're going, oh, zinc, that's me. I'm going to go out and grab myself a bottle. Think Mm -hmm. about what else is going on. If you've got the average person has 10 mineral deficiencies. I don't want you taking 10 individual (laughs) mineral supplements. Right. So it's also if you are struggling, I do think it's worth finding a practitioner. Mm-hmm. Whether it's myself, whether it's somebody local to you, just to yeah. help guide you so that at the end of the day, you don't have a stockpile of products that you're 
that you're taking. Right. And a lot of people don't recognize that, you know, as you were saying before, that, you know, some many minerals compete for the same receptors. So it is important that you understand. That's why it's worthy to speak to a practitioner like you, that you understand, you know, how things are being taken. So you're not just wasting your money or your time or causing any any destruction with it. So zinc and iron is a good example there. So mm-hmm. in perimenopause, some women need to take iron because mm-hmm. of the heavy bleeds. And they also might want to take zinc because maybe they're having some hormonal acne or rosacea or something like that. These two also bind. They also have, um, they compete for absorption. So mm. you would take them at different times of the day. So there's so many little little tips that you can have that it mm-hmm. is sometimes better to have someone to hold your hand to make mm-hmm. sure that you're doing the right thing at the right time. That you're not creating new problems. Yes, yeah. For our, uh, you know, North American listeners and anywhere else, mm-hmm. do you take clients online? Yes, I do. Oh, that's wonderful to know. And we will we'll walk everyone through how to how to best reach Jennifer after this. But um, I have one more question for you. <laughs> that's okay. What is your hormone routine that would you would say you do? What are the things that you do every day as sort of your healthy mm-hmm. hormone pillars? I try to walk every day. Mm. I have been more successful at this in the past, but (laughs) I used to live next to an award-winning park. So Ah. for me to take lovely big walks in nature, that the pond had ducks and it had turtles and eels Mm -hmm. and stepping stones Mm. so you could hop across the stepping stone, just time in nature and movement, Mm. Mm. Um, definitely something that um, I try to do daily. And how does that support your hormones? Well, it also supports my stress levels. Mm -hmm. And we find that as we're going through the transition, that we Mm -hmm. have lower resistance to stress. And if you're a woman that's struggling with heat, so hot flushes, night sweats, there's a thing called the thermoneutral zone. And anything in between this zone, we feel comfortable. If you're above it, you feel hot. If you're below it, you feel cold. Mm. And what we've what we know is that estrogen helps to keep this level mm-hmm. back a decent Regulated. distance apart. Mm-hmm. So does serotonin. Oh. Anything that's what bringing you that. Yeah, that joy, that mm-hmm. happiness, that peace. Mm-hmm. Um, so my walking brings me so much happiness and joy, mm-hmm. especially when it's outside in nature, yeah. that that is helping to reduce my my sensations of heat, but what brings it together is actually stress, mm. in particular the noradrenaline. Mm. Uh, you guys call it norepinephrine. Mm-hmm. That um, brings it closer together so that you're more likely. And a lot of women notice if you are someone that's experiencing hot flushes, give you add a little bit of stress, boom, you can almost guarantee that um, you, you're going to be sweating in no time. Yeah, it'll get worse. That's, I think, often why, you know, if you drink alcohol, that brings on your your cortisol and your higher levels, then you're going to have more hot flashes even at night. Those are simple things that we start to recognize even as we age, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing, Jennifer. Thank you so much. This has been such a wonderful treat to have you on and and share so many powerful things. I, I cannot believe that stat. What you said, it was from the mineral fix about how one in three Americans 
have at least at least 10 mineral deficiencies. So, I mean, that's enough to blow your mind. Actually, we didn't um, go into how you can try and fix that across the board. Oh, I'd love and sorry that. sorry to yeah. add this in at the end. No, do um, no, no. I would like to hear that. I know everyone would love to hear that too. So please have a look for regenerative farms. Regenerative, uh, regenerative farms <laughs> focus right. on soil quality first, mm. and it's the soil where we get our nutrients from. Mm. Also, like organic farming, they don't use herbicides, pesticides, nasty chemicals like that. Mm. If you can't find regenerative farms, organic farms are very, very similar. Um, just the regenerative farms have a slightly stronger focus on soil quality. Mm. Um, there is a website, regenerativefarms.org, where you can pop in your postcode and it can let you know whether there's a farm nearby. Otherwise, you might want to look at um, a farmer's market if mm. you've got one yeah. near you. Absolutely. That would be something I'd highly recommend. Um, you might want to test for your environmental pollutants just to see whether you're struggling with heavy metals, if you're struggling with chemicals, if you're struggling with mould, because to mm. detoxify them is really going to set you up well moving forward. Mm -hmm. um, it's like, yeah. How do we do that? How do we test for that? So you'd have to see a reverend naturopath or a functional doctor okay. um, to, to look into that. You can do hair tests to look for um, metals. Yeah. You can do urine tests to look for chemicals. It's the mm. GPL tox test. And you can do a mycotox test to look for, for mould. Um, but it, it's also worth, because these aren't necessarily cheap tests, it's mm -hmm. worth chatting to a practitioner just to find out what is it that you're most likely to be struggling with because unfortunately we all live in this toxic soup together yeah. but you might know that you live in a water damaged home therefore mm -hmm. mold might be the better avenue to start with um at our age group we all have lead in our system like we are the lead generation it was in our mm. paint it was in our petrol some women are effective excretors and can manage to get it out over time other women mm. store it and lead loves to be stored in your bones. What also happens at this stage of life is we start to break down our bones, re-releasing the lead back into the system. And it just depends whether we are good at processing it, metabolizing it and excreting it, or whether we've got that circulating through the system. Wow. Yes, I see more and more why it's valuable. Obviously, it's valuable to reach out to someone, especially if you're having a lot of issues and what you've been trying isn't working. It can be very powerful to help someone isolate it because you can get sort of what we call FOMO, right? That should I try this or should I try this or should I try this? And it can be very overwhelming. And what we know is that nothing works if you do it only some of the time. We really need to sort of pick something, experience it, go through it and be consistent. And that's where I think a practitioner can really help put you on the right path. Yeah, and I also want to say that there's no practitioner out there who does everything, mm -hmm. that I really like the team approach. Mm. And a lot of women don't realise that they actually have other options. They mm. might just think they have to go to their primary care practitioner and go down that path. And that's definitely where I started on my journey. That's what yeah. I thought I had to do and that's what I did. And it wasn't in my best interest. Right. And it was for looking through other options that, that I found what really works for me. Mm. And, you know, it might not be naturopathy that works for you. You might want 
TCM, you might, might want traditional Chinese medicine, you might want mm-hmm. Ayurvedic, you might want homeopathy. There is a yeah. plethora of options out there and what works for you might not work for your best friend and vice right. versa. So, um, yeah, there's, there's plenty of options out there. If what you're doing is not working for you, keep trying. Yeah. Yeah, because if you stop, then you're kind of stuck, aren't you? So it's an important journey into self to get to know yourself better. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Are there any other um, avenues to bring us back that you recommend? Um, I also really love structural care. So whether it's a chiropractor or an uh, acupuncturist or an osteopath, I think just getting some physical maintenance on your body, Mm. massage, skin to skin touch, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing is, is so important. So if you don't have someone on your team looking after your physical body, have a look what's available in your local area. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so many different techniques, like it might be cranial sacral or it might be mm-hmm. Bowen or the, <laughs> there's so many options. Do you see, <laughs> do you see anyone, Bria? Do you? Um, I do. Anything? I mean, I do. Yeah. For massage and Reiki is a big thing that I love personally. I mean, especially as an avid fitness person, I find um, that it's, we don't even realize what's caught up in our muscles and in our energy. So I really do find it to be quite a powerful release. And if I can't seem to get myself to a release, I know that's always the place that, you know, it's just stuck in the body somewhere, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. And when we think about the lymphatic system, like we've got the heart, which pumps the blood. Mm-hmm. And then we've got the lymphatic system, which is our waste system that collects mm-hmm. all our toxins, brings it back to be removed from the body. Yeah. This doesn't have a pump. It moves by muscular contraction. So if you've got an injury or if you're not moving a certain area, just having someone manually move your muscles uh, just to help to release those toxins is, I think, what a, a good idea. Well, yeah, what an incredible, I've never really even thought about it that way or had it explained. I, you know, our, you know, we have a lot of our systems have a pump, but that lymph system, that organ of elimination really doesn't. And it's no, such it a big one. It's the biggest one on our body in a way. And it's, it's so powerful to release things. So it needs that stimulation and, and how else do we get it? So that's incredible. Yes. Well, most of your listeners are moving. But mm-hmm. I know sometimes if we have injury or if, I don't know, we're mainly outside and there's bad weather, you know, mm-hmm. think about what else can you do? And I think massage has got so many ticks, so many ticks in the box, like a skin to skin, movement, and there's just so many different styles. If you want deep tissue, you can have it. If you want gentle, lymphatic, nice yeah. stroking touches, you can do that too. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, to be fair, I think the, a lot of my listeners are in the North. So it's quite, you know, and you talk about North, any, any aspect of North America, but North of, of in the US and all through Canada, I mean, you're talking about people who are covered up a lot of the year and we don't really get those same benefits, even if we are moving. Mm. Amazing. That's a great tip. What else you got? <laughs> we could be here all day, couldn't we? <laughs> I know. I know. Have a, one more, and then I'll let you go because I know what uh, you know. We're getting all right. It, it's going to have to be. It's going to have to be breath work. Yes. Yes. 
what is your favorite type of breath work that you like to, because we hear it in so many ways. I mean, it's all sort of diaphragmatic or belly breathing, you know, deep breathing, but there's a lot of different tools and tactics and ways to go about doing it. What's your favorite? First of all, can I blow your mind? Yes. <laughs> I love blowing my mind. Patrick McEwen has a book, um, The Art of Breathing or The Art of Breath. I can okay. find it and send you the link for the show notes. And he talks about how breath regulates your hormones. And in his book, there's actually a whole chapter. I, I think there's two chapters on hormones, one specific for menopause. So the power of intentional breath. And what they're looking at is ideally looking at six breaths a minute. And if we're looking at six breaths a minute, if you breathe in your inhalation for the count of five and exhalation for the count of five, that's 10 seconds. So if we do that six There's times, 60, we've got yeah. our, exactly. So um, my little tip, because I've got a monkey mind, I grab my phone and I put on my timer and so I can see the seconds count down. Ah. And I'm watching it so I know, okay, I breathe in on zero and I breathe out on five. And if you're if you're listening, I guess it's – I was just showing breath, but <laughs> I, I really got the countdown timer going on and I can see the seconds ticking down. So I know that if I breathe in at zero and mm -hmm. I breathe out when it comes to five seconds, I'm on track. And sometimes that is just helpful while you're starting to realize this is actually the length of time. This is the, this is going to get me my six breaths a minute. Uh -huh. And in the research, this is linked with a 52% reduction in hot flushes if you do it for 15 minutes twice a day. So oh, we're not finding goodness. big chunks of time. We're finding small little bits of time. Um, and even if you can only do it once a day, I think it was 40-something percent 42 or 46% reduction. Um, That's massive. In, in those women in the trial. I know. Yes. That is massive. What was the name of that book that you said breathwork is what you thought? I'm going to find the book. Okay. <laughs> it's in my cupboard over there. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and uh, I'll give it to you for the show notes. But it was Wonderful. Patrick McEwen. McEwen, right. Oh, this is a beautiful thing about Audible these days is you can probably just pop in his name in Audible and you'll find it. But. Oh, that's amazing. I, you did blow my mind with that. I think um, I was reading recently in Jay Shetty's book, uh, Think Like a Monk. He talks about how when he's, you know, at the ashram, one of the, there was a 10 year old boy teaching five year old boys on their very first day of monk school. And he said to him, what, you know, what are you teaching them? Because, you know, when we go to school, we learn our ABCs. And he said, no, I, what, what we teach them is how to breathe, because it's, it's the first thing that you start with in life and it's the last thing that you have and the value and how much it impacts all of our emotions and everything. So that's, that, that's so powerful. And I can't believe you did blow my mind. Thank you so much. There we go. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> this has been incredible, Jennifer. Thank you so much for your time, for all your knowledge. I really, really appreciate it. I know the listeners will appreciate it and we will put together those show notes, but how is the best way for people to connect with you, for the audience to connect with you or even find your book if, uh, if they want to learn more or learn from you specifically? 
Best place to start is probably my website, which mm -hmm. is menopausenaturalsolutions.com. Wonderful. Um, like Priya, I also have a podcast, same name, Menopause Natural Solutions. I love it. Um, my book, From Invisible to Invincible, you can get from my website or possibly from um, Amazon. Amazon, yep. It's on Amazon in the US, I can promise that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and social media, Menopause Natural yeah. Solutions, kept it all the same so it's easy to find. That. Oh, that's incredible. We will put the show notes and the link to the podcast as well in the book um, in our show notes, your website and the link um, in our show notes as well as all of those things. But it's been such a pleasure. I'm so grateful to get to know you better to spread this message with you more. And thank you for all that you do. Been my absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for joining me on the Period Whisperer podcast. I want to encourage you to reach out to me directly and message me if there are topics or things you're struggling with so we can address those right where you are at. And of course, if you loved this episode, if you learned something, make sure to share it with your friends and please rate and review it wherever you get your podcasts.